Good evening. Can't think of a better song leading into this lesson than the one that we just sang. Isn't it good to be together? There's no place on this side of the street where the chickens cross that I should... I don't know, what was it that Pete said? There is no place on this side of eternity that I would rather be than right here, right now with all of you. So isn't it good to be together? We're in week four of a five-week series where we're looking at some different types of psalms. Um, This week we're looking at a psalm of thanks, Psalm chapter 30, and I would like for you all to turn there. A great psalm of thanksgiving written by David, uh, perhaps in response to an illness of his. The text tells us it was sung at the dedication of the temple, and I'm excited to unwrap it with all of you this morning. Um, Next week, we're going to take a little break from our psalm series. We have a special um, LTC service that's going to be conducted by some of our young people, and I'll still have a short uh, lesson that I'll be bringing you, but you'll be hearing from some of our young ones, and they'll be leading the singing, and I'm really excited about that, so I hope Hope y'all will all show up and support them. We're proud of our young people and the work they have been putting in to learn how to lead, to learn how to, to lead the Lord's church. The next, the next generation is rising up around us, and isn't it a wonderful thing to get to see? Um, psalm chapter 30, the opening and ending line sum up well the goal of this psalm. I will extol you, O Lord, it starts with, and at the end, I will give thanks to you forever. This is a psalm of thankfulness sung in a season of clarity on the other side of struggles. So I don't want to belabor the roller coaster metaphor, but we'll circle back to it for just a second. I think tonight's psalm is the point in the ride that we recognize that we're just not in control. So if you think about the roller coaster ride of life that we've been on, you know, it begins with this awesome feeling as you're clicking up the, the, first, um, the first hill and you're looking around and things are wonderful and you're excited about what's to happen and then it seems like we all reach a point where we drop off on the other side and we're terrified and we don't think that we're going to make it. And, and that was the second psalm that we looked at. And then as we come into the third week, we, we started developing some trust. It didn't, the road didn't necessarily get easy ahead of us. The ride didn't get easy. We still um, experienced a, a wide gamut of emotions, but we realized we were safe. And now here we find ourselves with with two other realizations welling up. The realization that we are most definitely not in control. But coupled with that, the realization that the one who is in control desires and gives good things. And I think as we wrap our mind around those two truths, we see from those thoughts flow gratitude or thankfulness. Let's read the text, Psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor lasts for, is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. 
You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. The theme of this psalm is joy in the sovereign purposes of God. As I've already mentioned, this psalm is on the other side of pain and difficulty. Two weeks ago, we were right in the middle of our struggles in a psalm of lament. And last week, we were turning our despair into trust in the 23rd psalm. And this week, we're on the other side of it. We're seeing things like we hadn't seen before. The psalms as a whole... I believe as, as, as we've been presenting all of this, I hope you're see, seeing a, a pattern well up from them. The Psalms teach us to step outside of ourselves. You know, we look at in seasons of praise and seasons of lament and seasons of trust and seasons of joy. Over and over again, despite where we are at, the Psalms meet us and they connect with us there, but then they push us to look outside of ourselves. Whether we're in a season of disorientation where we're struggling to understand what's happening around us, or whether we're in a season of reorientation where the pieces are falling back in place, growing in maturity, growing in our faith means growing in otherness, means being able to look outside of ourselves and see those around us and see God for who He is, to see Him rightly in the way that He's working in the creation. And this psalm does that so well. I don't know how many years ago it was that we opened the salvage yard, Chad. I guess it was, I don't know, 12 years ago. When we first opened the salvage yard, the coffee was really bad. We just kept making bad coffee and kept drinking bad coffee, but it was just not right, and we didn't really understand why. Then one day the pump went out in the well house, and we thought to ourselves, well, I guess we better replace the pump. And so we replaced the pump and went to install the pipe back in this open well. It wasn't just, this was an old school open well, and we ran the pipe down to the bottom and realized that there wasn't much water in it. In fact, there was some sorts of sticky stuff down there. Maybe the reason the pump went out was because the well needed to be cleaned out, so... I think we saw who drew the short straw. Chad says it was him that went down on the well, but I distinctly remember it being me that had to go down on the well. I think maybe we both took turns, and we parked the forklift over the opening of the well, and we got this old climbing harness that I had in college because maybe that was a phase I went through. And, uh, And we lowered ourselves down in the well and began cleaning it out. And apparently for a lot of years, some sort of people like to sit around that well and drink beer and throw car parts in the bottom of it. Because it was full of aluminum cans and beer bottles and brake disc and brake drums and axles. And the, the, the stuff that we pulled out of the well was, uh, let me put it this way. We now have water service delivered to the salvage yard and we make our coffee with that. It was, it was awful. But we, we cleaned the well out, and, and the whole time we had this tether. We had this tether point up. And so you're down in the bottom of the well, and you're in the muck and the mire, and your, your feet are sunk down, and you're reaching around, pulling stuff out, and you're not sure what's there, and you just get this slimy, weird feeling. But, but you see the rope, and you see that it's tethered up, and I knew my brother would never walk off and leave me in the bottom of a well. So... So I was relatively comfortable in being there. Have you ever felt like you're just in the bottom of the well? 
but you don't have a tether point. And you're looking up and you see the light above and you know where you should be, but it just kind of feels like you're stuck. And, and you're stuck down there and you're in an uncomfortable spot and it's not where you want to be, but at the end of the day, you're really powerless to do anything about it. I mean, there you are stuck, but, but the entrance is too far away. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing to grab hold of. You're, you're sunk in the mud and you're sucking the water and, and there's just nothing that you can do. And then up from above, you look and you see the, the shadow of a person move into the light and, and down comes the rope. Down comes the rope to tether you, to give you something to grab hold of, to pull you out of the bottom of this well that you found yourself in. That's the opening picture that David draws for us in this psalm. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up. That's the word he uses. Drawn me up as if you had cast a bucket into the bottom of the well and and pulled it up. You have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help and you've healed me. You've brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. In a sense, the element that permeates the psalm is this, the sovereignty of the Lord and his posture towards his people. In other words, you don't get to determine where the roller coaster goes. There are times when you are just stuck and there's nothing you can do about it. But God is the one that is in control. And from the Lord, we see good things. And from that knowledge comes our gratitude. You know, this idea of our own helplessness That's pretty un-American. I mean, I say that, and that's fighting words for some of you. We believe in the power of you. We believe that every person has the ability through hard work and proper choices to change their status, to defeat their problems, to overcome. We teach and believe in the pull-yourself-up-by-your-own-bootstraps mentality. And there's certainly some merit to that. We want to be hard workers, at least in our physical lives, um, Perhaps we can change our circumstances in some ways, but this attitude often seeps into our spiritual lives as well. I love that this psalm of thanks is also a deep psalm of submission. And it begins with imagery that acknowledges our deep need for God and the helplessness to provide for ourselves the things that we very much need And in the midst of our helplessness, his willingness to reach down and throw us a life rope and pull us out. Now, sometimes submission takes an uncomfortable form. Sometimes submission shows up in the form of patience. And that's the very next thing that David takes us to in verse 4. He says, Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Despite the overwhelmingly positive message of this psalm, he doesn't sugarcoat reality. He was in a dark place, but he's come to see that this is more than just, um, this, is, this is a passing momentary thing. The struggles of this life are always momentary. Now, I find it interesting in verse 5 that David shows us he isn't just writing about eternal realities. Often we take a psalm like this and we totally spiritualize it. But as I look at this, I see that his message isn't hold on during this lifetime because it's going to get better in eternity. He says his anger is for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. 
In other words, he's speaking of very tangible realities, things that happen in the here and now on this side of eternity. And David has come to see that difficult situations and God's favor often go hand in hand. They aren't always exclusive like was taught and believed in Old Testament times, and I think maybe sometimes we assume today. In other words, we believe that if God is looking on you with favor, what should you expect? Good times. And if God is looking on you with anger, what should you expect? Bad times. No, I I think the picture painted here is David says the favor of God lasts for a lifetime. It's the umbrella under which we exist. But within that favor are moments of anger, moments of redirection, moments when he's required to respond to something. And it's in this next section of the psalm that he describes how God's anger is connected to his favor. Of course, before we get there, um, we have to admit that God's anger is never easy. And when, just like my tears ran when I was punished as a child, I think we also weep when God's anger arrives. But as dependable as the sun rises, joy on the other side. Weeping may tarry for, for the night, but joy comes with the morning. So what is it? What is it that might stoke God's anger? What is it that might bring about this weeping that he talks about? I suppose we could walk ourselves through Scripture and we could make a list of all sorts of things that God doesn't like. But in this psalm, David had something very specific in mind. It fits well with this idea of God's sovereignty, and we find it in verses 6 through 7. He paints this picture of what happens when we start thinking that we are the ones that are providing the good things for ourselves. He says, as for me... I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and I was dismayed. In other words, David is saying, I got arrogant. I forgot that God was the one that that made my mountain stand strong. God was the one that started off by throwing the rope to me in the bottom of the muck and the mire, and and he pulled me up. God is the one. God is the one that is responsible for this. And it didn't take much to remind David that he was thinking wrong. Some of you have raised a stubborn kid. I think I was a stubborn kid myself. Trying to teach a stubborn kid to ride a bike. What is that like? There you are walking behind them, helping them balance. Um, and, And what happens? Well, they start thinking they're pretty good at riding a bike. They get a little cocky. They start bragging a little bit to their siblings about how they good, good they are at riding this bike. And what time is it? Well, it's time to be humbled, right? So what do you do? Well, you, you don't leave them to absolutely fail, but you pull your hand off the seat a little bit, and you let them experience a little bit of the wobble, and you put a little fear back in them because they need to understand that, that you're the one that's there that's holding them. Now, God does this for us in a sense. He doesn't do it out of spite. He doesn't do it to get a laugh. He does it out of love. His favor sometimes takes the form of of turning his face from us at time and revealing the honest reality of what life without him looks like. We are so prone to arrogance. We're so prone to take credit for the things that he does. And there's times when God says, wait, hold on just a second. You need to be reminded. You need to see. You see, a life without me is a life of mourning. A life without me is a life of loss and sadness. A life without me is a life in the pit, in the dust. Don't you remember the well? Don't you remember the helpless spot you were in that I pulled you out of? And so we see David turn to God and plea, 
To you, O Lord, I cry. And to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. And then what do we see in response? How does God respond? Joy coupled with a right and true picture of reality. For you have turned my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Our glory is from him and for him. I want to say that again. Our glory is from him and for him. Look at the words that David uses. You have turned, you have loosed, You have clothed. All throughout this psalm, this language permeates it. It's God does, God does, the Lord does this, you have done this. It is always God. So even my glory becomes His. You see that in verse 12, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. So often we believe when God does things for us, it's for our own good. But the truth is, God has this knack of doing good things for us in a way that points others towards his ultimate goodness. We read about that a little bit last week in Psalm 23. That's the essence of this psalm. Perhaps all of the psalms is training us through different seasons to fight this urge to turn inward, to fight this urge to glorify ourselves and to realize the importance of turning ourselves towards Him and giving the glory to Him. Becoming conduits that point other people towards God. We give thanks to Him because everything worth being thankful for comes from Him. Even His anger guides us to better places and causes us to pour forth praise. You know, at the end of the day, we are totally at his mercy, totally at the mercy of God. Thanks be to God that he's chosen good things for us. Thanks be to God for the times when we can dance. Praise God for his mercy. Praise God for joy because he has lifted us out of the pit of despair, out of the destruction of ourself and placed his glorious realities around us. Psalm 30, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up. And have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cry to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought me up, up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. He pulls us from the pit. He wipes the tears from our eyes and turns our mourning to laughter. He humbles us in his sovereignty so that we might rightly see the source of all things good. And then once we have seen, our glory becomes his glory. And that is what this psalm is about. When things are in order, things are so, so good. 
When people look to the right place, things are so, so good. When God is put in the right place, when we see us working rightly and place our hope and security in Him alone, then we have something to dance about. This is a psalm of deep maturity. This is a psalm that acknowledges the blessings of God but allows the pursuit of His glory to keep center stage. To God be the glory. May we sing His praises and never be silent. If you are in the pit... He stands prepared to lift you out. You are the only thing in the way. We offer an invitation at this time. We would love to show you the right way forward. We would love to partner with you. If you have a need, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.